The following message entitled, Diligence, Salt for Your Inner Sluggard, is part six of the series, Real Life Wisdom, and was given by Bob Mundorf on October 6, 2013, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, we've been, uh, in, over the last few weeks, going through a series in the book of Proverbs, and it's, it's been really, really helpful for me, just very practical stuff. Last week, Joe uh, spoke on our words and how important our words are to God. And uh, I believe the week before that, Mark spoke on keeping our hearts with all diligence. And this morning, we're going to be continuing our series on the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be talking about uh, diligence and laziness in the book of Proverbs. So before we get started, let's just pray together. Let's ask God for, for His help this morning. Well, Father, we uh, thank You so much, Lord, for allowing us to gather together around Your Word. Lord, we pray that Your Word would be of great help to each of our lives this morning. Holy Spirit, apply, apply the words of these Proverbs to our lives. We know, Lord, that Your Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, So let these Proverbs serve to make us more like the Christians you've called us to be. Lord, we pray for uh, wisdom. We pray for the ability to fight laziness. And and we pray ultimately more so just for the ability to be more like Jesus through the preaching of your word this morning. We trust you, Lord. We fear you. And in, in your word is our confidence. So we thank you for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever put salt on a slug? Well, we have some cruel and sick people raising their hands, depending on how much pleasure you've derived from that. And it it can be fun to watch, because slugs are destructive little creatures. They eat our zinnias and our lettuce in our our gardens, but... um, Do you know what really happens when you put salt on a slug? Do you know why... The slug has the effect it does when you put salt on it. I was researching this, and um, <laughs> you're thinking, what is, did I come to church or a science class today? It'll, it'll, uh, it'll tie into our message. The word for what happens when we put salt on a slug is osmosis. And osmosis is when something draws a fluid from one side of a, a membrane to the other side of a membrane. So the salt when we pour salt on a slug, draws uh, a lot of the water in the slug, which the slug is made up of mostly water, to the outside of it. And, and in effect, it dehydrates it. it. It doesn't really shrivel it up. It kind of just melts it and turns it into this gooey slime and kills it. So, here's why I told you that. Our message this morning is entitled, Diligence, Salt, for your inner sluggard. Diligence, salt for your inner sluggard. And we're going to be looking at what the Proverbs, or who, who the Proverbs calls the sluggard this morning. The Proverbs has a lot of different characters that we've talked about over the last few weeks. We haven't yet talked about the sluggard. But the sluggard is, is a habitually lazy person. And he'd be the guy that we might call a deadbeat or a slouch or a couch potato. And... Um, the Bible describes him as, as somebody who 
buries his hand in a dish and is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Or uh, it also describes him as someone who is um, like a door turning on, his hinge, on its hinges, so does the sluggard turn on his bed. So it's just this lazy person who lays in their bed, doesn't want to get up and uh, do anything, falls asleep with his hand in the bag of chips, which I've done before. And uh, Proverbs 13.4 gives us a picture as well. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And, and our problem can be when we read these Proverbs, our problem can be that we sometimes don't see ourselves in, in these Proverbs. We might see the guy down the street, um, the lady on the other side of town who's got garbage bags piled up along her house and her gutters are falling off and her window, windows are broken. And we may not see ourselves when we look at these. But if we're honest, we've got to admit that we all have some degree of an inner sluggard in us, I think. And so that's what we want to uh, help today. This, this sluggard that we all have in us, the Bible tells us that he dwells in our flesh. He's, he's our flesh. He's, he's what craves different things that God doesn't want us to have. And he really drains out any diligence that we can muster up. So this morning, I'd like for us to see six remedies from the Proverbs for sluggishness. And as we look at these, these are like salt to a slug. We can sprinkle them on our, ourselves through the intake of God's Word and, and melt those inner slugs that we have. So if we could project these six ways, I'll just show you what, what they're going to be, and these are what we're going to look at today. Stop procrastinating and just start. Just start doing something. Acquire self-discipline. Limit your leisure. Take care of your stuff. Intercept excuses. And... Try humility. And I've put these in a, a memorable acronym so that we can, we can remember them. SALT IT. So when you're feeling lazy, all you've got to do is SALT IT. Now, it's just fancy words for what I, I think I'm pulling out of the Proverbs. So we'll look at some verses for each one of these things now. Uh, the first one is stop procrastinating and, and just start. And I want to say before... We, uh, we start on these. Just, just a brief exhortation that James tells us in the book of James. He says that we should look at God's Word like a mirror. And we should examine ourselves against it. And James says if you look in a mirror and you see some dirt or some food on your face, you're not going to just walk away and do nothing about it. So let's look into the mirror of these Proverbs this morning and let's try to identify if we in ourselves have any sluggardly tendencies or characteristics that we need to fight with God's Word. And then let's sprinkle the salt of God's Word, these Proverbs that we're looking at, on them. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 tell us, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor all day long, he craves and craves. And Proverbs 20, verse 4 tells us, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do you ever 
find yourself putting off today what you can do tomorrow. I know we all do this at times. I think procrastination has got to be one of the biggest characteristics of the sluggard, and it's probably uh, the one that I struggle with the most. I like to put things off if I can do them tomorrow. It's sometimes hard to get started. And uh, as I was studying and preparing for this message this week, uh, I was thinking about procrastination and my tendency to procrastinate, and I found something that's actually very rare. And I don't know if any of, any of you have this. I know sluggards haven't found this, but I'll show you what it is. You might have seen these. It's a, it's a round to it. Have you ever seen a round to it? Thinking, what, what is he talking about? Well, have you ever heard yourself saying, uh, I'm going to clean up that junk behind my shed whenever I get around to it. Or, I'm going to start an exercise program when I get around to it. Or how about, uh, I, I, I've been intending to have that spiritual conversation with my neighbor, and, and I want to do it as soon as I get around to it. Well, incredible and magnificent things are now going to be happening in my life because I finally found my round to it. I know, it's corny, but hey, it, it, it illustrates it for us. The point is, with the round to it, we all, we all have that round to it. We all have that ability to get the things that we've been putting off. And I'll tell you why. God would never command us to do something that He's not going to enable us to do. And we have all these different commands from the book of Proverbs to to not be sluggish, to not be lazy, to be diligent. The New Testament tells us that whatever we do, we should do heartily as unto the Lord, for we serve the Lord Christ. God isn't going to... uh, He is going to enable us to do the things that He's called us to do. And if He wants us to be diligent for His glory, He's going to let us. He's going to enable us to do that. So he's, He's given us that ability. And I know that many times... Just starting this first principle is, is hard to do. It can be overwhelming. Um, I, I think of you know, the pile of papers on my desk sometimes. I think of the pile of dirty dishes in the sink. thought of this when I walked into my cluttered garage not too long ago. It's just overwhelming to get started. But here's a tip. Here's a tip for the first principle, starting. And we get this from the ant. It's in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. And it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. We're to consider the ways of the ant. And I remember when I was a kid, laying on my grandparents' beside my grandparents' driveway and watching these little tiny ants build their little ant hills. And what they would do, I noticed, they would go down into the ground, into their little tunnel, and they would get one little grain of dirt, and they would bring it back up out and lay it on their anthill. And then they would repeat that process. They would go down in, grab another one, come back out, and lay it down. One at a time, just slow, simple, and effective. They would get started, and they would do it one at a time. And I thought of this uh, not too long ago, when I walked into my messy, cluttered garage with so many things laying around that I hadn't put away, 
and I thought I was, I was overwhelmed. And I had thought in weeks past and months past, I, it was embarrassing. You know, I didn't want friends to come over and, and see my messy garage. I thought if I could just get this cleaned up. And I was craving and craving, but I, I wasn't starting because it was overwhelming. And these Proverbs are so helpful because they give us little tips like consider the ant. So I thought of the ant, and I just started one thing at a time and picked it up and found a home for it and put it away and went to the next and, and, and repeated that process. And that's, that's how helpful and practical these Proverbs can be. And, you know, when I was, when I was putting off cleaning my garage, or when we put off doing things that we know we need to start, it can really build this dark cloud of despair around us. I, I know personally I'm, I'm more inclined to just, just getting pretty depressed whenever I have this mountain of things to do in front of me that I've been putting off. And the Proverbs are just so practical. They, they help us with that. And a quote I found that speaks to this is from an old-time Scottish preacher named Alexander McLaren. I think we have Alexander's quote and photo. And you can see, I like this Alexander guy. He's got a really cool beard. I don't know if you can see it, but it just covers his neck. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> he, says, he says this about putting things off. He says, No unwelcome task becomes any less unwelcome by putting it off till tomorrow. It is only when it is behind us and done that we would begin to find there is a sweetness to be tasted afterwards and that the remembrance of an unwelcome duty that is unhesitatingly done is actually welcome and pleasant. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's, there's, there is that, just that dark cloud of depression when things are just piling up before us, but just, just going in and when I get off my butt and go and get started and start to get things done and make a little progress, um, it really, really helps. Now, listen, I know this can sound like, uh, like a self-help book that I'm standing up here giving you, but this is actually important enough to God that He has put it in His Word. God talks about the sluggard in His Word. He talks about diligence in His Word. And we as Christians are supposed to worship God with our diligence. So, we just want to find some tips that help us from the book of Proverbs. The second way to shrivel your inner sluggard is from Proverbs 6, 7, and 8. And I would call it acquire self-discipline. Proverbs 6, 7, and 8 says this, Without having any chief officer or ruler, and this is talking still about the ant, without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, and gathers her food in harvest. This is all about self-discipline. The, the, the battle of spiritual slug fighting requires self-discipline. You notice that this ant, she just does it. She doesn't have uh, an officer, a chief, or a ruler standing over her and telling her what to do. She, she knows what to do. She makes it a point to know what she needs to do and then she does it. That's, that's what it means to have self-discipline. Now, if you're a parent, you, you know that, that child-rearing uh, requires constant training, especially for, for younger children. If I want my five-year-old son, Jake, to 
um, start clearing the table after dinner as one of his chores, I'm not going to say, Jay, clear the table and, and leave it at that and expect him to remember to do it. I, I have to tell him what that means. I have to break it down for him. Jake, um, okay, buddy, first you, you take this bowl off the table and, and you take it to the sink and you do that with everything else and then you, you, know, you get a wash rag, you, you wipe it with warm water and you're going to break it down for your kids and you're going to tell them what to do and that, that's teaching them uh, discipline. It's teaching them that. And that's normal for children. But here's the thing. Like the ant, the diligent Christian teenager or diligent Christian adult is actually expected to have self-discipline. Verse 7 tells us the ant does her work without constant harping from a chief or ruler. So the question that we need to ask ourselves if we want to grow in self-discipline, and, and I do, I want to grow in this. I don't want it to seem like I, I'm the most self-disciplined person there is and I have it all together. This is something that I actually really have been intentionally trying to grow in. I want to grow in. And, and I know many of you have areas where you can grow as well. So we need to just ask ourselves, do we know what to do? The ant knew what to do. do. Do we know what to do in... I, th- I think first and foremost are, are biblical roles. Do you, do you know what to do as, as a, a husband or a father? Do you know what to do as a wife or a mother? Do you know what the Bible tells us to do? Children, do you know what your biblical roles are? Do we know what our biblical roles are as Christians? To bear one another's burdens. And we could go on and just have a sermon about these things. But we should know as Christians... Um, have you taken the initiative to learn them? How about it at work um, as an employee? Do you know what you're to do there without having to be constantly harped at or told? This, this kind of thing really glorifies God when we do this, when we take the initiative to be self-disciplined. So think of this as uh, an, an, a way to, to worship God. James 4.17 tells us that whoever knows the right thing to do, and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And I just want to give a, just a, a, a brief exhortation to parents. Um, parents, we, we need to remember to be patient with our young children. They, they, they don't know a lot of times what to do. They forget, and we, we don't want to uh, place burdens on them that that maybe we haven't even yet ourselves attained. We, we may have not become self-disciplined in certain areas, and sometimes I know there's the temptation to, to discipline our children before we train them appropriately. So I just want to encourage parents to be, be patient. It's going to take a while. Our kids need to be trained over a long period of time. Just a side thought there. But the ant is self-disciplined, and that's one of the ways that we can kill our inner sluggard. Third thing is limit leisure. Ouch. This one, this one hurts a little bit for me. Limit leisure. I love leisure. I love recreation. I love doing a lot of things. But, and, and these things aren't wrong, but as we're going to see, we need to really limit them. Proverbs 21.17 tells us, Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So if you're like me, leisure can, can slowly and deceptively kind of become an idol 
to you without you, you even knowing it. Uh, I, love, I love to, for example, I love to ride my quad with, with Don Lackey and some other guys from church, and I could do that every single day. Uh, and I, I just I have to watch. Um, I love watching TV with my kids. I, I lo- these things aren't wrong. These are good things. These are, are recreational activities that we should do. But we've got to be careful if we're going, going to dehydrate our inner slugger, not to let them get out of bounds and take over too much of our lives. Your pleasure, your leisure may be something else. You may love television. You may love surfing the Internet or, or doing uh, social media like Facebook. And, and like I said, these things aren't wrong, but we've got to watch because without realizing it, they can just take over. You know what I mean. I mean, you, you've, you may have noticed this in your life that you have to kind of temper these things. So how much is too much? Well, that's a question that you'll probably have to seek individual counsel on, pray about, but here's a thought to consider when you're thinking about how much is too much. For thousands of years in the Old Testament, God created a, a rhythm or pattern of work and rest. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. There were six days of labor and one day of rest. And that's how God created the earth. He worked for six days. He rested for one. That's what God told the Israelite people to do. He, and he, he told them that, by the way, for two reasons. One, it was because they were to imitate God. They were to reflect Him to the other people around them as, as a witness. And two, He did it because... He knew that that was the best possible, most blessed way to live for them. God wasn't being mean. You've got to work six days and then rest for one. Now, I'm, we're, not, we're no longer under the law. We're New Testament Christians. And so I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you have to do that as a requirement for your salvation. Every Christian should do that. But we've got to remember that just because we're no longer under the law of Moses, it doesn't mean that there aren't some great principles for us to follow in the Old Testament. There are some really good principles. And, and I don't mean you've got to like measure everything you're doing and get your leisure down to one-seventh of your total time. I, I'm not saying that. But if you're relaxing and you're playing video games and you're doing all these recreational things a lot more than you're being diligent and working then there's probably something out of whack. Your, your diligence needs some, some fine-tuning. And don't believe the lie that working more is like robbing us of fun and joy. It really is God's way, and He's going to tell us the most blessed ways to live. And I know personally, whenever, you know, when I have a week that, that by God's grace I've been pretty diligent, then that makes rest so much better. It just, it's so much more fun to go out and do uh, activities that I enjoy. But, you know, in the same way, it's kind of like, um, I think it's called Newton's Law, a body at, in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. When I have a week where I'm just feeling lazy like a sluggard, it's so hard to get started again. And I eat more candy and I lay around more and it's just not good. So, diligence is not like stealing fun. It's actually the most blessed way to live. And one more thing about leisure before we go on to the, the final points. Uh, I was thinking of application for this. Men, you know, this can be a temptation for men 
you, you've worked hard all day, and you come home, don't, don't say, my time. Grab the remote, a bag of chips, and go in and watch the game. Ladies, you worked hard all day, your husband comes home, don't say, tag, you're it, I'm checking out. Kids, you're just as much a part of the family as mom and dad. And, you know, I know sometimes you want to play your Xbox and go hang out with friends, but there are things to do. The Bible tells us that, tells us do nothing for selfish ambition, but consider others more significant than yourself. We can be diligent to serve others when we get home, to care for others. And if pleasure is getting in the way of that, then it's probably become an idol. And this proverb that we're looking at tells us that because of pleasure, whoever loves pleasure uh, will be poor. Maybe for some of us, our, our finances are hurting because we've let pleasure grow too big in our lives and leisure. Or maybe we're poor in a different way. Maybe you've, your marriage is in bad shape. Uh, maybe your relationships with your kids or your parents are poor because of too much leisure or pleasure in your life. Maybe it's your relationship with God. We don't want our devotion to leisure to rob us of the true blessings that God has for us. So we've got S-A-L, we're doing salt it. The T comes from Proverbs 24, 30 through 32. Take care of your stuff. Proverbs 24, 30 through 32. And I keep saying, I keep saying this one's pretty convicting to me. These are all convicting. And you know what? They should be to all of us if we're examining ourselves against God's Word. Verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. So this guy in this Proverbs is a, is a vintner or a grape farmer. And he's got a lot of work ahead of him. His, his vineyard is overgrown with all these thorns and nettles. His stone wall is fallen down. And we're supposed to, according to verse 32, look at this and receive instruction. So we've got to think, how did it get like that? Well, it got like that because he neglected it. He never maintained it. He never took care of it. Now, the first slug killer we talked about was to start something, right? To stop procrastinating and start doing something, which can be hard to do, but it's not as hard to do as this. This, I think, is a lot harder to do. Think about it. We all, we all start something every January 1st, I think, most of us, if you've started a, a New Year's resolution, and chances are you didn't make it past February. It's hard to maintain them. It's hard to keep doing them. And sometimes it's easier just to let something go and start a new project. Maintaining can be really, really difficult to do. And I was talking earlier about my garage, and you know I'm aware now that I've got my garage pretty cleaned up. And I notice, like, if I'm doing a job, if I'm changing my blades on my mower or working on my car, a lot of times what I'll do is uh, I'll tend to do the job, and then 
get in a hurry to do something else and leave all my tools and parts laying out on the floor. Well, putting them away is just an example, just an illustration of, of maintaining things. See, this sluggard, he started his vineyard, and he got it going, but he didn't maintain it. So for me, this was convicting even this week as I was preparing. I, I think, I'm thinking, I, okay, I got the garage cleaned up, but I've got to maintain it now, so I'm going to put stuff away after I do it. And it's, just, it's another step that we need to do as diligent Christians. Ben Franklin said, it's easier to build a second fireplace than to provide wood for the first one. So when, when people visit our homes or, or our lawns, our yards, do they see uh, reasonably cared for, it doesn't have to be immaculate, but reasonably cared for area? Or do they see far more things that a person can, uh, has neglected in various degrees of decay and, and neglect, just laying around. And you know, I just thought of this now. Um, maybe the key, I think for me in some areas, maybe for you as well, is just to not have so much stuff. You know, Jesus talked about not treasuring up stuff for ourselves on earth. And the more stuff we have, the more we have to take care of. So I might just need to get rid of a bunch of stuff. But take care of your stuff. Fifth, intercept excuses. Intercept excuses. So we've got salt, now it. Intercept excuses. Proverbs 22.13 says, the sluggard, the sluggard says, There is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. And what he's doing here is he's making an excuse for not doing what he knows he's supposed to do. And he's making up this ridiculous excuse that there's a lion roaming around outside. And sluggards are notorious for making excuses. He, he has this deluded ability to explain things away and, and find just outlandish reasons not to do what he knows he needs to do. It, you know, it's, it, it was raining outside, or I was too tired, or... I was under the weather. I don't, even, what, I don't even know where that saying came from, under the weather. It doesn't make sense to me, but we can use that, you know, to avoid something that we know we need to do. Or, God hasn't given me the green light yet. I don't feel led to do that. I mean, some of these might be legitimate, but we can use these for just blowing things off, can't we? We can be this sluggard at times. And the, the thing to watch for is that the more excuses that we make, that if we don't intercept these excuses and, and deflect them away, we're actually going to start believing our own ridiculous exclu- excuses and become deluded. And, and, you know, if we may know people like that who just are thinking when they give an excuse, what is he talking about? That takes us to our next point, being wise in our own eyes. And I entitled this one, just so I had the T to make the acronym work, Try Humility. Try Humility. Proverbs 26.16 The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So I, have, I actually didn't put these two things together until this week when I started looking at this. Um, I always you know, thought... You know, if you're really diligent and you're you got it all together, then you can become proud, and that that's something that you know we should watch for, not to become proud if we're diligent. But 
This tells us that the sluggard, the lazy person, is actually proud. He's wise in his own eyes. There's a connection here. And I think he's wise in his own eyes because he, he's just really selfish. And what he tends to do is dismiss correction and counsel that other people bring to him. Because he, he believes that he's already thought clear through all of his problems. He's begun to believe these excuses that he's made up. And when people come to him with correction, like these seven men maybe have come to this sluggard, he thinks, you know, I know, I know you're well-meaning, but you, you couldn't possibly understand the depth of the circumstances that I'm in. It's just way beyond your comprehension, and this is why I can't begin to do this. And so the sluggard can become wise in his own eyes. And I don't know, maybe you've tried to help someone before that just wouldn't be helped with something like this. And it could be that that person is is wise in his own eyes. And we can all be wise in our own eyes at times. And I think it's important that we all need to do this step. We need to try humility. We need to be humble and put on humility when people tell us things that are are uncomfortable to hear. God wants us to listen and consider what they're saying. And if, if one person's coming up to us and telling us something, we should listen. If, if a couple people are coming up to us and, and, and giving us advice or raising a concern, we really should listen. If, if five or six or seven people, like in this proverb, are coming up to us and telling us something and we're still not getting it, and we say, no, no, you don't understand. Chances are, we're being wise in our own eyes. And that can be a way to justify our laziness and our inability, our, our lack of desire to change. So, true biblical diligence is, is humble. We need to be humble. And, and I think of the, the, the verse in the New Testament that tells us, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. One way that we can begin to do this this morning is just by following the exhortation that I gave at the beginning, examining ourselves in light of God's Word, examining ourselves in light of these Proverbs. I mean, I, I gave you the acronym SALT IT to try to give a clever way to remember it, but what's really important here is God's Word, these Proverbs. And they will help us. And if we're humble and, and, and submit to them, God will really help us. But if you're saying, you know, if you're, if you're thinking, well, you know, that, that might be helpful for a lot of these people in this room, but my situation is just too complicated. These don't apply to me. Then chances are, and this may sound harsh, but I think the Proverbs would justify it, chances are you're being the simple fool that's talked about in the book of Proverbs. And there's hope for you, but there's also a warning. The Proverbs tell us, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my Spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord and would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof, 
Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. But then there's hope. He goes on, But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Being humble when it comes to exhortations like that from God's Word will go a really, really long way in helping us to become more diligent Christians and fight laziness. So let's use these, these Proverbs, let's use this message to help make us more like Jesus Christ, like the diligent Christians that we're called to be because when we're diligent, we're actually worshiping God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and you serve the Lord Christ. That's, that's what we need to remember. Let's have the band come up and we'll pray. Father, we know that your word says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And we want to walk in newness of life, Lord. We all, if we're honest, have areas that, that should be addressed as a result of these Proverbs. And Lord, we, we just want to do this because you say to do it in your word. We want to be diligent for your glory. Lord, I pray this message would help all of us to be more like Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.